Bible with me for just a few minutes. We're going to be finished here in 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 30, 35, 40, 45. No, we'll be through here at 7. And turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. If you were here last Sunday evening, you know I began a new series entitled Acts, The Gospel Gone Viral. We talk about a lot of things that go viral these days, videos that go viral, diseases that go viral, lots of other things that go viral. But in the first century, in the first century church, it was the gospel that went viral. And from a little place in Jerusalem to the whole world, the gospel is to be preached and to proclaimed. What we're talking about in this first message that last week we continue this week is about recapturing the spirit of the early church. Those of you that weren't here last week, let me just remind you that last week we talked about the fact that they waited before God. If you look down in verse 4, you'll notice what he says. In being assembled together, this is after the resurrection of Jesus. He says, in being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to, and here's the word, you want to circle it, but to wait, to wait for the promise of the Father. And we talked a lot about waiting we were, they, they were waiting for the promise to indwell them. They were waiting for uh, the Spirit of God to instruct them. And in waiting, they found the power of God as the Spirit of God came upon them. But their waiting wasn't done in inactivity. What were they doing during those 40 days uh, from the resurrection of Jesus to the ascension of Jesus? What were they doing? At least in these latter days, as they're leading up to the day of Pentecost, they're waiting in prayer. And they're waiting before God and communing with God and praying to God and you know, sharing their heart and thinking about and worshiping the God of heaven. So one of the ways that we're going to recapture the spirit of the church and the gospel is going to go viral in the 21st century is when we wait before God. Now, we're not waiting for the Spirit of God to come. He's already come. The promise has already been given. It's already been fulfilled. When you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, at that instant, at that moment, you are indwelt by the Spirit of God. He is the seal, the guarantee of your eternal life with God forever. But we are waiting now for the filling of the Spirit. We wait before Him and surrender. Lord, as we surrender ourselves, take control of us. And Lord, empower us and enable us and produce through us the fruit of the Spirit. And as we do that, we find that we have the power like they had when the Spirit of God came upon them and the Spirit of God controlled them. They had power because they waited in prayer. If you look through the book of Acts, you find them again and again. It says about them that the Spirit of God filled them and they spoke the Word of God with, do you know the next word? boldness. And so they waited. We talked about that last week. But they did something else in Acts chapter 1 that was something that we want to recapture, something else that's so vitally important. If we're going to see the gospel go viral again, and it's found down in verse 8. Let's back up to verse 7 for a moment. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. He's talking about when Jesus, Jesus is talking to them about when he's going to come back. You don't have to know those times. You can't know those seasons. That's the Father's business. That's not your business. Here's your business, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, 
and you shall be, and here's the word you want to circle. You circled wait in verse 4. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The second thing this early first century church did that is a, a thing that we want to recapture that will cause the gospel to go viral, not only did they wait before God in prayer, but they witnessed to God in power. They witnessed to others in the power of the Almighty God. I've been doing a lot of reminiscing as I've been thinking about uh, this particular message that we're working on on Sunday evenings. And I think back to the days, some of the best memories that I have, especially as a younger man of church and, and the enjoyment of, of the church. I can remember as a boy growing up just outside of Atlanta, Georgia, on, on Miriam Lane in a brick house, two-story brick house. I thought it was a monstrous house. A few years ago, Mary and I were back home in, just outside of Atlanta, and we rode by that house on Miriam Lane, and it looks like a Cracker Jack box. <laughs> Compared to the house I live in, which is a very modest house, I don't have a big house, a very modest house, it looks like a Cracker Jack box. How did I live in that house with my two sisters? I'll never know. We'd come up Miriam Lane about a half a mile, a mile maybe. You go past Tony Elementary School. Get up Tony Elementary School, you come to Candler Road. If you turn right on Candler Road, you go down into Decatur, Georgia. You go down to where Agnes Scott College is, a, a women's only college. If you go a couple of turns as you go down Candler Road, you come to Columbia School of Theology, a Methodist school that even in those days was already becoming liberal in their theology. But if you came to Candler Road and didn't turn right like you're going to Decatur, you turn left, just over behind the Tony Elementary School, where I spent the best 10 years of my life, um, <laughs> at the Tony Elementary School was the Owsley United Methodist Church. And then there was this huge cemetery that's out there beside and behind that church. Huge cemetery, like uh, Ridgelawn down here. Huge cemetery where my parents are buried uh, to today, where we go to see their graves. And I can remember going to church at Owsley United Methodist Church. They had a balcony. They had a building. had an had a auditorium with pews on the first floor as well. It wasn't as big as this auditorium, but they had a balcony. A lot of times I sat with my parents up in the balcony. Sometimes I sat with my parents on the lower floor. My, my parents never put me in children's church. Not that there's anything wrong with children's church. I recommend children's church to you. It was just that they were going to make sure I sat there and learned to listen, and I got carried out once for not doing so, and I listened from that point forward for the rest of my life. I, I never could figure out. When I got taken out, and I got disciplined, and I was crying, and my mother said, if you keep crying, I'm going to spank you again. Well, if you want me to quit crying, you can't keep spanking me. And I had, to, I, had to, I had to pull it together, and I had to go back in. Talk about embarrassing. And they came to the service. It was a very formal service. Had a split lectern. Uh, a pastor spoke from one side. They made announcements from the other. And the, the communion table was the center of the auditorium. Had a kneeling bench. If you're going to observe communion, you came forward, and you kneeled at the bench, and you took the bread, and you take, took the juice from the communion, uh, from the kneeling bench. Very formal, 
When the minister walked out, he had his robe. He had all of the beautiful garments that he would wear in. didn't matter what you were wearing underneath. He might have been in short pants as far as I know. But he came in and he wore that beautiful robe and it looked like he was just gliding across the platform and just gliding into spot like he's on a hoverboard of some kind, just moving into his spot. And he brought the message, but the truth of the matter is I never heard the gospel. I don't, I don't say that he didn't preach the gospel. I just say I never heard the gospel. I heard it from my mother and my daddy, but I don't ever remember hearing it from that preacher. I don't remember hearing it in my Sunday school class. We went to Sunday school every, every Sunday. We had church on Sunday night. We had church services during the middle of the week. Every church did that. Every church used to do that. Today we say we're too busy for that. We have too much going on for that. I say we got the wrong things going on. And we need more of what we're doing tonight. We go to church over and over. I didn't hear the gospel. I was there in that church on Miriam Lane going to Tony Elementary School and ultimately to Columbia High School until I was 14 years of age. Columbia High School was a school of 3,000. At 14, my parents decided to move outside of Decatur and away from Atlanta. We moved out to Stockbridge, Georgia, 20 miles, 25 miles from where we lived, out into the country, two and a half acres. My uncle lived next door with two and a half acres, so five acres between the two of them, next door to each other, but there are trees between. You can't even see the other houses. They're just there. You know they're there. There's a pathway to one house to the other, but you don't really know that they're there. You're out there to yourself, and my parents said, we're going to go to church out here just like we did when we lived in town, and the closest church was Mount Vernon Baptist Church. It was less than a mile away from our house. The youth director met me on a Thursday night after band practice, after marching band practice, the new kid in the block, and he said, I want you to come play in the church orchestra. And that's how it all started. Went to church, started playing in the church orchestra, started going to the youth group, started hearing the gospel in a way that I hadn't heard it before. At least it didn't connect with me before until I was 16 years of age. And at 16, I trusted in Christ as my Savior. I received him as my Savior and became a child of the living God. I graduated high school when I was 16. Some of you didn't know that. It wasn't because I was smart. It was because I took summer school. I only had two classes left. There wasn't any sense going on. And I wanted to go to Bible school. I wanted Because when I was 16, God not only saved me, he called me to the ministry. I didn't know what part of ministry, but he called me to the ministry. And so I wanted to get on to Bible school. And I started after summer school. I started in Bible school, South Metropolitan Bible Institute. Think about Tri-State Bible College, that's what I'm talking about, or Southland Bible Institute in Ashland, that's what I'm talking about, South Metropolitan Bible Institute. After two years, I transferred to Luther Rice Bible College and Seminary, which was in Lithonia, Georgia, 10 miles from where we lived, and finished out my education there. And then my own pastor at the church where I was saved and where I was called to the ministry said, would you like to serve as our youth pastor? And I came and served as the youth pastor from the age of 20 until I came here at the age of 25. And then for the last 40 years, I've been here preaching the gospel and doing the very best that I can do. I look back across my life with all this nostalgia, and I think, what were some of the greatest moments? I can remember 
As a teenager at the age of 15 when I first started at Mount Vernon, till 16 when I was saved at Mount Vernon, till 20 when I started working at Mount Vernon, till 1982 when I was 22 and, or 21 and ordained at Mount Vernon Baptist Church, I can look back and I can think about the services, some of the speakers that we had, some of the individuals that came through and shared their testimonies, some of the musical groups that were there. Our pastor would come and he would, sometimes he would sing. He had an incredible voice. I'll not do that for you. The weeping and the wailing would start. But he had an incredible voice and he would sing and then he would engage the congregation and they, they would sing back and forth and back and forth with each other. We would sing back and forth with him and it was an incredible time. Did you know that Mary and I played Mary and Joseph in a television recreation of the Christmas story? Did you know that I went and took acting lessons? Am I telling the truth? Where are you? We both went and took act, acting le lessons so that I could be Joseph and she could be Mary. And I'll never forget the lady who was teaching us the acting lessons. She said, your face, you just can't seem to express it through your face. And I said, well, you ought to look at your face, ma'am. <laughs> I did not say that, by the way. I did think it. I think back of all those memories. That, that, uh, that auditorium was, was the size of this section and this section, but it was broken into three sections. It was a shotgun hall. It wasn't, it wasn't laid out like this. The, the platform was probably half the size of this plaf platform. There was a little tiny orchestra pit over here where eight or ten of us would sit in, in members of the orchestra where Mary played the piano. The pipe organ was over here. That, at least the console was over here. The pipe organ was in the back. Somebody gave them a pipe organ in a building that size. I remember us running 1,000 people. The largest I can remember when we were there, running 1,000 people on Sunday mornings. I look back and I think about all that nostalgia. I think, I'd like to go back to those days. No, 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 no. I want to go back to the first century. It was good when I was a kid and a lot of things were fun. When I was young and a young man and newlywed and working in the ministry and all of the excitement of all of those things, I can look back, but you don't go back far enough if you only go back to the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. That's not far enough. If we're going to go back, we've got to go back to the first century, and we've got to go back to being a church that waits before God in prayer, and we've got to be a church that witnesses for God in power. I want you to notice the method that they used for witnessing. Look at chapter 22 for a moment. Acts 22 for a moment. The Apostle Paul is giving his testimony. He's telling his story. By the way, that's the great way to begin witnessing to somebody else is telling them your story. But look at Acts chapter 22 and look at verse 15. <clears throat> As he's telling, he's under arrest in Jerusalem. He's ultimately going to be taken to, to, to Rome and be held under arrest in Rome. 
But in verse 15, he's talking about his story and what happened to him. And you'll notice 22 in verse 15. For you will be his witness. That's what God was saying to Paul. For you will be his witness to all men. And here's what he was to witness. What you have seen and what you have heard. What does it mean to be a witness? Well, let me ask you, if you were in a courtroom, what would it mean to be a witness? You would be a witness to what you have seen and what you have heard. That's what it means to be a witness. It's not that difficult, is it? To be a witness, look at 1 John chapter 1. John talks about being this witness. 1 John chapter 1, in the opening verses of that passage, notice what he says. 1 John chapter 1. Notice what he says, verses 1 and 2. Ah, I'm in Peter. 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning... He's talking about the beginning of his his ministry with Jesus, following Jesus. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen. And what do they do? They've seen, they've heard, they've handled of the word of life and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. If we're going to go back and we're going to recapture the spirit of the first first century church and the gospel's going to go viral again, we've got to be a people that wait before God in prayer and we've got to be a people that witness for God in the power of the Spirit of God. And witnessing isn't that difficult except that it is difficult. You say, wow, you just... You wouldn't have made a very good witness there, Pastor. You just contradicted yourself. I mean, witnessing is just simply telling people what you've seen and what you've heard and what you've experienced in your own life. But doing that sometimes is hard to do, isn't it? If we're going to recapture the spirit of the early church and the gospel is going to go viral again, we've got to come back to a place and back to a time when we're willing to talk to people and tell people, use the method. This is what I've seen. I have seen that Christ died for my sins, was buried and rose again. I have heard of his grace and his mercy, and I have experienced it in my own life, and I can tell you that he changes you once and for all and forever, and he'll change you once and for all and forever. He'll give you you eternal life. He'll take away the fear of death. He'll promise you a home with him in heaven. Your sins will never be remembered against you ever again. You'll become a part of a family. You'll be given a book that's your instruction guide on how to live in this life. You'll have a peace that passes all understanding. I want you to know you can have that. I wouldn't suggest you yell it at them like that. But you're telling them what happened to you. I just told you what happened to me. I told you so that you can understand what I'm saying. I look back and I think through my life and all the things that I enjoyed, the things about church that were fun, the things that I think, oh man, I'd like to recapture that. And I think to myself, that's not really what I want to recapture. What I want to recapture is what they were doing in the first century when they were waiting before God in prayer and they were witnessing to others in the power of the Spirit of God where they were just simply telling people, this is what Jesus did for me. Our job, friends, is not to save anybody. Our job 
is to tell people about the one who can save them if they're willing to trust in him. My job is to do, to do the very best job I can to convince them that this is what they need to hear and this is who they need to know. But ultimately, only the Spirit of God can draw people to himself and only the Spirit of God can convert people and make them into the children of God. Only the Spirit of God can indwell them and seal them as the sons of God. But it's my job and your job to witness to others in the power of God and to say, look, you need Jesus. We have that Gospel of John that's been printed. They're out in the lobbies where you can love on the Gospel of John. Those are intended for people that are a little more difficult, the people that you care about. They may be a neighbor or maybe a family member. You go through the Gospel of John and you highlight and you circle the the, the verses about salvation and about believing in Jesus, and maybe you color them in or you use a highlighter, and you, and you write them a little note inside, and then you hand it to them, and you ask them to look through it and see the notes you've written to them. Out there in the lobby, there are tracks that are, I've written about John 3.16 that you can take with you, and you can give them to somebody. These are people that maybe aren't as hard to talk to. Maybe the People, you're just passing along the way, and you want to give them something, to give them the gospel, and you hand them a track, hoping that that'll open the door for a conversation. You're looking for a way to witness. This is what I've seen. This is what I've heard. This is what I've experienced. This is what God did for me, and I know that God will do it for you. And they witnessed you get a little later in the book of Acts, what happens? Everybody wants to stay in Jerusalem. Nobody wants to leave Jerusalem. I mean, do, do you want to leave where the power of God came down at the beginning? They all want to stay right there in Jerusalem. And so the Lord has to do what he didn't, well, I shouldn't say he didn't want to do. The Lord's sovereign. He knows what he's doing. But from the human perspective, what he didn't want to do, he sent persecution. And that persecution scattered them. And they began going everywhere. And what did it say about them when they went everywhere? They went everywhere preaching the word. They went everywhere witnessing to people. They went everywhere telling people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And out in Antioch, a church springs up. And in all these other cities, places begin to spring up. People come to faith in Christ. They get organized as a body of believers. They begin functioning as a church as Jesus intended for them to function. And they begin to grow. They begin to mature. And they keep witnessing. And others come to faith. It doesn't mean that everybody got saved. Please hear me. 3,000 were saved on the day of Pentecost. There was as many as 5,000 a few days later. And then it goes on to say later they, they were multiplying the number of disciples. But I got news for you. There, was, there, there were a lot more people who didn't believe than who believed. This is not about the number of people that believe. This is about being a witness so that those who hear the gospel at least have the opportunity to believe. And if the, if the gospel is going to go viral again, we don't want to go back to the nostalgic days of the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and whatever years those were. I came here in 82, so 60s and 70s and 80s. We don't want to go back to those days. We want to go back to the first century where they were waiting on God in prayer and they were witnessing to others in the power of God. And the, the gospel was changing people. 
Out of hundreds of people, this one gets saved, and that, that one gets saved, and that one gets saved, and this one gets saved, and that one gets saved, and they start gathering together with the people of God, and the transformation of their lives is taking place. And the gospel spread over the whole world. I mean, Jesus Christ from Jerusalem turned the world upside down. They witnessed. Look back to Acts chapter 8, and I'll finish. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. Now listen to the mission. In Jerusalem, that's right where you are. Just start at home. And in all Judea, that's the broader region where Jerusalem is located. And Samaria. That's the area that the Jews didn't like to go through because the people there were pure Jew, Jewish. They were half-breed. But the gospel is going to go to them as well because the gospel makes no distinction amongst people. And then he says, and to the end of the earth. I mean, it goes to the end of the earth. What is our task? Our task, our mission is to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. We're supposed to be witnessing to the ends of the earth. We start where we are, yes. We reach out beyond where we are. We reach out to places we might not want to really go. We go all the way to the ends of the earth because everybody needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why do we have missionaries? Why do we, why, why do we combine our funds together in order to be able to support men and women who are going to the mission field to take the gospel? Because everybody deserves to hear the good news that Jesus saves. We could turn this city upside down. We could turn this city upside down if we just started witnessing to others. I get it. I think, I think pre-2020, at least for me, pre-2020 was easier to do that than post-2020. I don't know what the difference is. I just know now I have to intentionally, much more intentionally begin conversations that lead to the sharing of my testimony and lead to the sharing of the gospel much more intentionally than I did pre-2020. I, I don't know. I had a man tell me uh, yesterday, or maybe it was Friday evening, he told me, he said, people are different than they were before the pandemic. I don't know. I thought we were pretty wonderful as we were and as we are. I don't know. In some ways, I think that's probably true. Uh, people have changed in some ways, but Christians, church family, if we want the gospel to go viral, we, we got to start witnessing. We got to start telling other people what we've seen and what we've heard and what we've experienced and how life that Christ has changed our lives and how he wants to change yours. And God does the drawing and God does the saving. But God uses our witness. When the church gets back to waiting in prayer and the church gets back to witnessing with boldness, then we're going to begin to see the gospel go viral again 
There's two more that will come next Sunday night. Actually, not next Sunday night, because next Sunday night we're going to be out at the, at the park the following Sunday night. There's two more. 